listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's infinite kindness in Ramat Shemesh Israel 5769-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayishlach. The Parsha begins with Yaakov, Jacob, returning from far off in the land of Padanaram, from Haran. He's returning back to the land of Israel. And he knows that he's going to have to face off with his brother Esau. He hasn't seen him in 22 years at least, if not 36 years. And so now he's coming back, and he knows that Esau, for all intents and purposes, last he saw him, he was ready to kill him. So he does three things. The first thing he does is he sends a tremendous present, a very large present. Second thing he does is he davens, he prays to God for help. And the third thing that he does is he prepares for war. He splits up his camp into two different sections and he says, if Esav is going to come and strike one part of my encampment, the other encampment will be saved. But he's ready for war. He's ready to take Esav on. I was discussing the Parsha with a friend of mine and I asked him, I said, when, when Yaakov, when Jacob sent this present to Esav, Esav is murderous. He's ready to kill him. Does he really believe that he's going to have any success by sending him some kind of big present? I'm going to give you a million dollars, just don't kill me. Esau, he's angry for 36 years. He hasn't forgotten that anger. He's, he's had it stewing for 36 years. He's coming with 400 men to destroy Yaakov and to destroy his family. How did he have the gall, how did he have the chutzpah to believe that by sending him a big present so he would succeed? So my friend told me that the truth is that it's not exactly what's going on here. There are three steps that Yaakov did, like we mentioned. There are three steps that Jacob did. The first thing was he sent those presents, correct. But he didn't just do that. He's, he, did, he went further. He also prayed to God, because without God's help, he knew that he wouldn't succeed. And in fact, we know that God himself told Yaakov, he told him to come back to the land of Israel. So Yaakov could be sure, he could trust in Hashem, that God would not send him back for him to just die. The third thing that he did, that Yaakov did, was he prepared for war. Because he knew that there was a possibility, there was a possible eventuality, that Esau would come and he would be ready to kill him. Heaven forbid, chas v'shalom, he'd be ready to destroy him, to destroy his family. But Yaakov, he was ready for war. After this, the Torah describes something, which on the surface is difficult to understand exactly what's going on in this story. But our sages tell us that what was going on in this story was that Yaakov, Jacob, was fighting with an angel. And that angel he fought with all night long. And that angel was not just any angel, but it was the angel who was a Sarah Ishal Esav. He was the prince, the one who was in charge of Esav. And Yaakov fought all night long with Esav's angel. And then in the morning, so the angel saw that Yaakov would not give in, that Yaakov was going to succeed. And finally, the, the angel says to him, you have to let me go. I have to go now. And Yaakov turns to the angel and says, I won't let you go until you give me a blessing. And our sages tell us that actually, and I believe this is in Rashi, actually he didn't say give me a blessing. He said confirm that I got the blessings of Yitzchak and I got them and I deserve them. That's what he was asking of the Sarushel Esau, of the Malach, this angel. And so... Indeed, the angel turns to him and says, What's your name? Yaakov says, My name is Yaakov. And the angel says, Your name is no longer going to be Yaakov, it's going to be Yisrael. And this represents the fact that indeed you deserved those blessings. What happens afterwards? So Yaakov, the next morning, he comes and he meets with Esau. He brings his whole family. And he meets with Esau. And each one of his wives bows down. All of his children bow down to Esau. And Esav says, let me go with you. He doesn't hurt him. He doesn't do anything. Unbelievable. Yaakov was successful. And Esav doesn't want to kill him. 
Now, the, the thing that bothers me as we read this is we know that he made all of these preparations. He sends him presents. He prays. He splits up his camp. Why does he split up his camp? He, does, he says, if Yaakov, if Esav will come, I'm sorry, with, with, to one of the camps, he'll want to destroy one of the camps, so at least the other one will remain. But what does he do? He comes out in full force to Esav with his entire family, with his wives, with his kids. Like, hello, here's my, here's my family. Introducing Yaakov Avinu and his family. What's going on? Why is he doing this? He wants Esav to kill him. He wants him to kill his whole family. Why is he bringing out his whole family, his wives and his kids? Let's put that question on hold. We'll come back to that question, Bezos Hashem, with Hashem's help. And let's ask a few other questions. I'd like to take note of the fact that the two places that we see that Yaakov is leaving Esav, he's running away from Esav in last week's Parsha. So we see that there's an encounter that he has as he's running away with the angels. And we also see over here, when he's coming back to meet Esav, he also has an encounter with angels. It seems that there's some kind of connection, at least to my eyes it seems, there's a connection between the fact that Either he's running away from Esav or he's coming back to Esav and the encounter with angels. Let's, what happens in the first encounter, back in Parsha's Vayetzi, in last week's Parsha, he's running away from Esav and he goes to sleep and he sees this vision of a ladder with malachim, with angels going up and going down. That's what he sees. That was in last week's Parsha. And in this week's Parsha, right before he's about to meet Esav again, he's about to have his confrontation, he meets this malach, this angel of Esav, the Sarai Shal Esav. There's a tremendous lesson that's here for us to, to grab onto. And let's start with something that I just read recently in the Nefesh HaChayim. Beautiful Sefer, beautiful, very deep Sefer, grounded in Kabbalah, that Reb Chaim Volazhin wrote. He was a Tommy, he was a student of the Gura in the 1700s. And he says as follows, he's explaining the concept of the Sulam Shal Yaakov, the ladder of Jacob. And he says, he prefaces it by telling us that there's a difference between a malach, an angel, and a human being. What's the difference? Who's better? Is a malach greater or is a human being greater? So he says it's actually a machlokas, an argument between the Rishonim, between the commentators, the early commentators. And some of them take, take the opinion that in fact a malach is greater. An angel is greater. He can see much, he can see into the spiritual worlds. He has greater understanding than a human being. Then on the other hand, there are other Rishonim, other early commentators who say that in fact the human being is much greater than the angel. So Reb Chaim of Lezhen explains that tr the truth is there's a concept that both this and this are true, even though on the surface it seems to be a contradiction, it's not a contradiction. Because in some ways indeed Malachim, angels have a greater view, they have a greater ability to see into the spiritual worlds. However, there's a tremendous advantage of a human being over an angel. And the advantage of the human being is that the human being contains within him all of the different levels of all of the different dimensions of reality. Going from our level of Asiya, and above that the world of the angels, and above that the world of the throne, the world of Bria. All the different levels are five different levels of reality, five different dimensions. They're all included in the human being. And what that means is I have the ability as a human being to affect all of the spiritual dimensions. And what it also means is that I have the ability to affect an angel. Meaning, he brings down that there's a concept that the angels, so they say Kedusha. They say, Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzvakois, Meloi Chalar They say, Holy, Holy, Holy is God. His, the world is filled with His glory. So they say that only on special occasions. But you know when they say that? They have to wait until the Jewish people down on earth say that line when they're praying. 
Only then can the angel say it. Says Rukhan Volashin that shows that the angels are completely beholden. They are completely affected by the human being, whereas a malach, an angel, cannot per se affect human beings that way. And they can't affect it. The angel does not have the ability to affect all of the worlds, all of the different uh, levels of reality, dimensions of reality. Whereas a human being, so he has within him, his soul is rooted all the way back in the highest levels of reality, and therefore a human being can affect even the angels. Explains further Rebchaim Velashen, this is the concept of the Sulem Shal Yaakov, the ladder of Jacob. Because what was that ladder? The ladder actually represented the soul of Yaakov Avinu. That soul of Yaakov, and in fact every single Jewish soul, extends all the way up to its root, which is connected directly to Hashem, to God. And what happens because of that is that it's like a ladder. And all of the angels that are climbing on this ladder, so they're affected by the Jewish soul. They're affected by the actions of a Yaakov Avinu. That's what he saw. That was what the vision represented. That's what Rebbe Chaim explains. Now what I'd like to suggest is that it was not a coincidence that just as he's running away from Esav, he has this vision. Because as we mentioned previously, Esav represented somebody who saw everything in its complete superficiality. He was somebody who did not see the depths. All he could see was that a human being is just what you see. What you see is what you get. Yaakov was somebody who knew, who had, who had learned that there's much more to it. There's much more to the human being than just what we see on the surface. But rather there's a soul and there's, it's going up into the heavens and everything that we do affects the entire world. He knew that. Now that he got away from Esau, he could have a vision experientially validating that which he knew. That was only something that he could experience once he ran away from Esau. Now, in our parsha, so Yaakov Avinu is returning. He's coming back and he's about to have an encounter with Esau again. That means he's about to encounter all that Esau represents. The fact that he represents the superficiality. So what does he do? What does he have to do? He has to fight this Yitzhahara, this evil inclination. This that Esau represents. So what happens? That's why he again encounters an angel. Because this angel represents the fact that he's not just coming for a physical battle, but rather we're talking about a spiritual battle. And and that's why after the battle is over, it's very beautiful what the angel says to Yaakov. He says to him, your name is now going to be called Yisrael. Why is, he going to, why is your name going to be called Yisrael? Kisarisa imelekim va'anoshim va'tuchal. Because you fought with godly creatures, meaning with angels and with human beings. And you knew how to battle them. You knew how to overcome all of the different things that were difficult. All of the different spiritual challenges. You knew how to overcome them. And now you have gotten to the point where now you can face Esau. Because now he had conquered, he had vanquished the spiritual power of Esau. And he had shown that in fact he would be the victor. He had nothing to fear of Esau anymore. That's why he came the next day with his family, with his wife and with his kids. Because he had already succeeded. Now, this whole concept is really a marshal. It's really a parable for us to be able to understand how we can deal with the Esau of our times. How we deal with our Yitzhahara, our evil inclination. How do we deal with the Western world that tries to overcome us? So the first thing that we have to do is we have to recognize there's an Esau. There's an evil inclination. There's a Western world out there who wants us to believe that everything is superficial. He wants to destroy us. Right? That's the first thing that we have to recognize. That was what Yaakov recognized at the, at the beginning of last week's parasha when he was leaving. When Rivka told him to leave, you got to get out of here. He 
leaves, wants to kill you. So as soon as we recognize that, we have to run away. In a certain sense, we have to remove ourselves completely from the Western world. We have to take ourselves away from the television. We have to take ourselves away from the YouTube, from whatever it is that's affecting us, that's dragging us down into the Western civilization. We have to take ourselves away, just like Yaakov ran away. And what did Yaakov see? The only place that he was able to see, to access to the spiritual world, to actually have an experience of it, it was only when he was running away from Asaph, when he got away. If we want to be able to have the access, we have to, we have to put ourselves into yeshiva, we have to place ourselves into a, a shul, a synagogue, you know, stuff ourselves with the Torah, you know, whatever we can get. Listen as much, as much Torah, shiurim, podcasts, whatever it is that you can get. The more we give ourselves that spiritual infusion, and the farther we take ourselves away from those things that will destroy our spirituality, the greater will be our chance and our ability to overcome. And then once we've given ourselves that infusion, once we've given ourselves, we fill ourselves up with the Torah, then maybe after 22 years, after 36 years, whatever, however long it takes for us to have that ability inside of ourselves, we have to come at it the same way that Yaakov Avinu came at it. This is something I also heard from my friend. And he explained that when Yaakov comes and, he's, and he knows how to fight with Esau, that's how we have to fight with our Yitzhar, with our evil inclination. What does he do? The first thing he does is he sends presence. And then he davens to Hashem, he prays, and then he comes at it with, with war. He's ready to fight. And we have to do a similar thing with our evil inclination. Sometimes we have to make ourselves physically beseder, to make ourselves happy. And, you know, we have to eat right. And we have to do the things, you know, like on a Shabbos, you know, eat wonderful delicacies, whatever it is. Or you can even say to ourselves, you know, okay, body... You know, we have two parts of ourselves. We got our body, we got our soul. So have to say, okay, body, here's what you need. You need a good, a good breakfast. And then after that, we're going to nourish the soul. We're going to learn some, some real strong Torah. And, and that's how we have to go about it. The first thing is to give a matana, to placate the body in a certain sense. Obviously, we can't indulge in anything which is forbidden, but in a, in a way that's permitted, in a way that our body's not resisting the spiritual things that we want to do. Then the next thing is to do, we need to pray, we need to daven Hashem. God, please help me. I want to have spirituality, I want to connect to you. I want to learn your Torah, I want to love you. And all these things, Hashem, you know how much I want it. Please help me with this, because I want to do it, not just for myself, but also for you, to bring down your light into the world. We have to pray, we have to mean it, we have to think about the words that we're saying. And then the third step is to come out of fighting. We have to come out, we have to be sincere, we have to be running to learn the Torah, we have to be trying our hardest, trying our best, learning the Torah, doing the commandments, doing whatever we can to connect to spirituality. And we have to know that if we're sincere, so at every stage, just like Yaakov, just like Jacob, was able to have a spiritual revel revelation, so we won't have that type of spiritual revelation. We won't be seeing ladders with angels on it. However, the more we look for God, I've mentioned so many times, the more we look for Hashem, the more we look for Him in our lives, the more we'll see Him. The more we separate ourselves from the physical world, the more we'll be able to connect to the spiritual world. It doesn't mean that you have to make yourself celibate, heaven forbid. That's not what the Torah wants from us. The Torah wants us to get married. The Torah wants us to have children. The Torah wants us to be involved in this world. But the more that we bring the spiritual world into the physical world, the more we raise the physical up to the spiritual, the more we look for God in our lives, the more we'll see God in our lives. The more we fight, the more we realize that the, cor the correct path to overcoming Hayat Sahara does not mean that we just we ignore it, we throw it out the window, or we, we, we don't fight it. No, that's not how it works. The Yitzhahara, you have to be very sly with him. You have to work with him. You have to say, okay, I'll give you this, but you've got to give me this. You have to be very sly. You have to be smart. Once we understand these things, so we'll be able, as is Hashem with God's help, we'll be able to experience spirituality, we'll be able to have a connection to God. I want to give you a blessing, and myself, and all of us, we should all merit to have that connection to God. 
that we're always talking about here. We should continue to grow in our years, Hashem, our fear of God, and our Avas Hashem, our love of God. Hashem will help us come close to Him all the time. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great Shabbos.